Welcome everyone to this edition of Lead Like a Boss podcast series. Today I'm very excited to introduce uh, a good friend of mine, someone I've known for a number of years through our connection to Toastmasters, Richard Tardif. He is a, he doesn't like to say this, but an old world journalist <laughs> who comes from the newspaper world and he's totally reinvented his business, how he, can he does his work and he's helping young new entrepreneurs give their message out um, in the print world. Richard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, George. It's happy to be here. And once again, thanks me for inviting me on your show. Wonderful. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about how you made that transition, Richard, from from being a, you know, old world journalist and newspapers, magazines and all the rest of it to what you're currently doing. Absolutely, George. Thanks. So basically what I did was I started in journalism working in newspapers in a community newsroom. And this is where everything I learned I've used today. Everything I learned, and I didn't know it at the time, but as a journalist back in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, things were shifting, right? So we became the journalists who weren't let go, had to pick up the slack. So I had a web belt with a camera, a microphone. I learned layout on InDesign. I was assistant editor of Grammar Tech. It was everything. I had all these tools. You know what they say. The more tools you have, the less likely they are to send you out the door. <laughs> That's good. And over the years, and I even moved from the newsroom to the industry with the Quebec Community Newspapers Association, where I was basically on the business industry advertising side of things. And these were newspapers in Quebec and a minority group as well. But this was the era when newspapers were dying. This was the quote, newspapers were dying. Maybe so, because it was very tough to get print advertising. And there was a digital transition. And I had developed all these tools and everything. And at a certain point, I think you begin to wonder, can I do this myself? Mm. Do I need to be sitting in a boardroom where my leadership skills are just sort of brushed over? And so one day during a board meeting in 2018, I wrote in my head my resignation letter. During the break, I went downstairs and wrote the registration letter. By the time the meeting was over, I already had it typed out on my phone. And it was a Friday, so I waited till Monday. So the answer was yes, I have all these transferable skills. I've already published one book. Do I need to stay here for the sake of having a great salary? Do I need to have that comfort? I'm not even in a comfort zone where I am. Yeah. So what's the issue with not making a move? So I made that move. I did give them six months, but they sort of severance me off, which I knew they'd do. Yet I decided we're going to do it. And when I did it and the morning I left the office, immediately... Oh, I should have never done this. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it's just the fear you have of making a change in a comfort zone. Been around long enough to know that uh, that exists. You, you have to. Okay, yeah, I, I, I fear. We all fear. But you said you're going to do it. And one day you'd have a great story about making your resignation letter while you're in a board yeah, meeting. Yes, and I'm telling the story. story. <laughs> but what happened was. Uh, I was comfortable with a severance pay, but that wasn't good enough for me. So I started a, a publishing company, Smiling Eyes Press, and we decided to do books. 
Wow. We meaning me. <laughs> I will help people in ghostwrite. In fact, uh, one of your colleagues, Ivan Most, we did a, his first book as a home inspector, and I ghostwrote that book. But I had to do everything as well, and I couldn't afford to pay anyone. And I had to find money to pay for an editor. Okay, hold on, hold on. Before we get there, I, I want to go back to the things. A lot of our podcast listeners are entrepreneurs, and I'm curious, how old were you when you decided to jump ship and go on your own? I was 58. It was 2018. Okay. So, yeah. And, and there's a lot of stats uh, around um, successful entrepreneurs getting into business. Most of them are like past 45. I think, I think 51, 52 is the average age and their um, success rate is much better uh, than the average. So you, you, you made the right choice. Um, so now I get this, this feeling, you know, being a one-man show is not something that's really working for you or you knew that you needed to scale right you knew that you couldn't do it by yourself you needed to to get help you needed allies so tell me more about how smiling eyes press fits into into your mission well it's funny because taxes wise i needed a company to register so i could i pay my taxes i don't know when i'm 75 if they're going to come back to 19 2018 and get me. So I just said, well, we'll do Smiling Eyes Press. Now, my wife and friends have always told me you smile with your eyes. So for lack of a better name, I just call it Smiling Eyes Press. We'll change the name later, later. but no, that name, that name clicked. And it was a publishing company and you would pay to Smiling Eyes Press and I would pay my taxes. So all that worked out, but then we started getting books. A lot of writers coming in, a lot of clients. I discovered that I, I can ghostwrite. So I did that. I also discovered I could interior design. I also discovered I wasn't bad on making cover pages and back pages. I discovered all of this because when you go back to my newsroom days, right. I learned all those skills. I learned all those skills. So I was right in saying I could do this on my own. There's a different kind of pressure, as you understand, right? You get pressure from your bosses or board of directors when you're working. That may go, but now you've got your own different set of pressures. The clients become the pressure. The clients become the pressure and you become the pressure because now you're not waiting for your every second Thursday paycheck to come into your bank. You are responsible for that. But that's entrepreneurship, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. So all the leadership skills I had, I actually led myself. I said, you've been telling people and demonstrating this to people so many years. Write it down, make an outline and do what you've preached. Yeah, yeah. Stop being the shoemaker with new, no shoes, right? That's exactly right. The thing is, I did learn as I went. How are we going to do this? Well, we're going to do it this way, but I have no idea until I get home and figure it out. But that's, I think, part of the roles of entrepreneurship and leading yourself and leading others because the writers are looking to you. Well, well, how do I go in this direction? Right. But you keep the leadership roles you maintained. This was something that was important to me because. It's always in my mind today, I would still go wash dishes if I needed to make extra money or I had to. <clears throat> and I think that's one thing about, you mentioned older uh, men and women starting businesses. Well, that comes with your experience and your understanding that here's your backup, yep. you know? Yeah. And we I kept learned, all this learned, in mind. We had to make do with what we had, right? Yeah, exactly. In my, my background, uh, I don't actually want to lay down a resume of everything I did. 
because I'm on the podcast, book. Richard. It's not too often. <laughs> that's right, because everything I've done will come into a book, and but that's valuable experiences because I also was able to observe and watch and see. And would I do that? Yeah, I would. Would I do that? No, no, we, we wouldn't do that. And it just all melded together. And the first book we published, it was, wow, I did it. <laughs> all right. So now I'll do it some more. <laughs> I understand that you, you, there's Smiling Eyes Press, but it seems to me that, you know, in order to scale, uh, you've had to create some alliances with other organizations. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, the first thing I did, I found an editor for Smiling Eyes Press, and that took a lot of pressure off me. I can't ghostwrite and edit what I ghostwrote. Mm. Uh, we kept the company small and I had a few designers here and there as consulting. Uh, yet at the same time, I was meeting different people because I was in a different uh, room, let's say. Mm-hmm. I, I was beginning to understand who was in my room uh, when it came to networking and working and collaborating. And Oxygen Publishing Agency with the CEO, Carolyn Flower, we met basically on a, a referral on Facebook. And I said, let's just come and meet. And we did. And we just started hitting off and I started editing uh, a few of their first books uh, my way. And then it went so well that we created an executive editor position. They get a lot of work because it's the team there now. I mean, the interior design, the graphic design, it's all in-house. It takes a lot off of me. You have to focus on the things that you like to do, I guess. Exactly. And that's where I was able to shine. Having the knowledge of all the other uh, tools and things required is great because I can answer a lot of questions. And we also just created what's called the co-author books. Mm, okay, hold on, hold on. I, 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 I love that. I want to talk about that. But you touched on something that's really important uh, for our entrepreneur listeners. A lot of technicians, as we call them, who get into business on their own, they fall into that trap where they feel they have to do everything themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And even if they have employees, those employees tend to be more like assistants rather than real employees that can totally delegate their work to. So it sounds to me like you matured as a business and learn that it was it was better for you to delegate things that weren't what your focus was so that you could you could scale your business. Well, I sat here one day tired, knowing I had a backlog of work and I had authors like, where's my interior design for proofing? <laughs> so that's when I realized uh, it's going so well. It's going so well that I have to branch, that I have to put out my feelers and associate more. But that's something I've learned uh, as a journalist. You just don't do it yourself. Newsrooms, you do it as a team. There's like 20 people putting out a paper a week and people only see the journalist and the editor. Yeah, but it's behind true. the scenes, there's a lot of things, you know? And that oh, that just was, oh, you're gonna take this off me? Here's what I'm willing to pay you. It's more than you normally get, but thank you. And then I could move on to other avenues and everything just seemed to to gel that way uh, a friend of mine terry cutler many years ago he's the internet safety uh ethical hacker who i work with he taught me about we need to have helping hands we need to have our wheel i remember terry telling me you need to have that wheel well yes you may be there but this person here and this person here can help you and you can help them and i took that to heart when i was my god do i just go back to work and forget all this of course not i'm here I did, I did that and it's working out perfectly 
because now I, I, I know where I can send things and I know where people can send to me as well. So Oxygen Publishing is their own agency before my agency. I just want to make that clear. But we have such a collaboration right now and such a, a team. And that's another thing I've learned too. And I think it's important. It, it's a team. And to say from you said that you need to branch out, well, you need to create a team who's working with you. need to be part of that team as well. So I, when I look back on the first day where I was afraid to leave the office, okay, that was then. <laughs> but this is now, but that fear, by the way, was something that actually pushed me to, uh, push myself forward. I didn't need a book to tell me that. I just know, okay, I said it, I'm doing it. Here I am, what? <laughs> just go. Yeah, and I'm sure you didn't say it to yourself. I'm sure you said it to lots of other people. I said it to many people. Yeah. What am I doing? What am I doing? But I only, 24 to 48 hours, I was doing that because that's a 48 hours, like, hey, dude. The reality set in? You said you'd do it, now just pull up your pants. Just <laughs> go do it. I mean, and that's what happened. And it got comfortable uh, very quickly, very quickly. One, you're earning. You can see that you can do it. Yep. And two, you're realizing, well, this was a small dream flooding around the back of your head. And then, then you start getting up and you realize, wait a minute, I, I don't feel like I'm actually working. Isn't it funny, um, you know, when we talk to children and, and, you know, the whole question of what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> and we say, oh, well, do what you're passionate about, do what you love, you know, find your interest. And then as we get older, we tend to do what we're told to do, or we do where the money is. We forget about doing what we're passionate about. And, and it takes a while for life to knock us around a bit to say, hey, remember mm -hmm. that passion you had? Remember that dream you had? 